Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. I think that's where a lot of people actually get into trouble is when you're trading options, the shorter term you go, the cheaper the options are, but the higher the return potential could be. So like if you if you see anybody on a specific Reddit thread and you see that they turned $10,000 into a million dollars in a few days, then they were buying extremely short term out of the money options. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special lesson for you. And this is coming straight from my brand new trading course called the AI Stock Trading System. I've literally pulled this lesson straight out of the course and I'm putting it here on the podcast because I really believe that this is going to provide you massive, massive value. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And hey, listen, if this podcast was useful to you at all, I really highly suggest that you go check out the full trading course at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Today, I have a special guest online, Chris Butler. Chris, host of the Project Option YouTube channel. And uh, I'm really excited to have Chris on. Uh, we've talked to his brother, Mike Butler, before, but now we've got a chance to talk to the man himself. Chris, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the line today. I was uh, I was really glad that uh, your brother made the introduction because I mean, you and I and he we we all have this this shared interest of being uh, degenerates with our money. I mean, traders. And <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to be able to to chat with somebody else who has the same passion that 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 we all do and mm -hmm. and is a content creator like myself. I mean, you're putting out tons and tons of content. In fact, I've got your YouTube channel pulled up on my other screen. You've got almost 9 million views as of this moment. That's incredible. Yeah, it is pretty wild. It's uh, it's crazy how it, it's scaled over the years. I never anticipated this level of growth, but it's been awesome. Well, you know what, man? I'll quit talking so much, and I'm going to hand you the mic. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you get the idea to start trading what came across your mind whenever you decided to start the youtube channel because believe me i know what it takes to put out content it's not as simple as people think it is to just sit there and watch it so tell me tell me about yourself man um so i guess this story starts in college so my first year of college i went to arizona state and i was studying computer systems engineering, which is what they called it, which is essentially computer science. Um, and I went into that because I loved computers. I figured I had a technical mind. I like playing video games like most of the people in high school. Um, and so I went into computer science. And after my first year at ASU, I had this epiphany. I don't know exactly when it happened, but it was literally just one morning where 
I decided that I was going to switch to finance. And I think that was because I realized I didn't want to, I didn't want to stare at the computer coding all day because I kind of have bad eyes too. So I figured maybe that's not such a good career path for me. But at the end of the day, I'm still staring at the screen for quite a long time. But I actually, I just woke up one morning. I was like, I need to learn how money works because no matter what job I have in the future, if I don't know how to manage it and grow it, then that's not going to be a good scenario. Mm -hmm. So I literally switched my major to finance. And at the same time, I transferred from ASU to DePaul University in Chicago. And once I started studying finance, obviously on my own, I was doing a lot of self-study and going down rabbit holes as I tend to do online. And that brought me to learning about stocks and investing in the stock market, read a bunch of books on that. And then one day on YouTube, I was searching for stock market investing stuff and YouTube started suggesting me options trading videos. And that's how I found Tasty Trade. And then fast forward a few months later, I had emailed Tom Sosnoff, who is the CEO of Tasty Trade. And I had just asked him about an internship just in in trading in general, not necessarily at Tasty Trade. And he kind of interpreted my email as I was asking for an internship at Tasty mm. Trade. And, you know, I kind of got lucky. I got really lucky there, actually, because, like I said, I wasn't actually asking for an internship there, but that's what ended up happening. So I got an internship at Tasty Trade September of 2013. So that's about seven years ago now. And I worked there for three years, learned a ton, got to basically spend my full-time job learning about options and teaching options. So that's the foundation of Project Option. And then after three years, I had kind of gotten to a point where I wanted to go off on my own and try to start my own thing because I always, I always had an entrepreneurial drive where I wanted to start something of my own one day. I just didn't know exactly what that was going to be. But after I had three years experience at Tasty Trade and I had started to learn Python programming as well. So I was able to actually do programmatic backtesting and use Python to create really nice charts. So that kind of gave me the confidence to become a content creator. And from there, I decided to take the leap. I quit Tasty Trade, started Project Option. And initially, my goal with that was to start a blog and basically grow a high traffic website and then sell people on subscription services or courses down the line. Uh, but it actually ended up morphing into a YouTube channel because I saw how much written content was out there for trading in just Google search. But when I go to YouTube, I noticed that there were only really a handful of channels that had a really large following. And I thought I could compete with the content that was out there as, as of when I left my job. So I started making YouTube videos to complement the written stuff that I was doing on the website. And then as I started to learn about the YouTube platform and see the growth on there, I was like, all right, I'm going all in on YouTube because I just, I'm having so much fun with this platform. So that's kind of the, the long story made short. You know what? I, I love that. And, and I, when I started my website, 10 minutesstocktradercom uh, that was my thought as well. So I'm going to kind of blog as I go through my trades. And I don't know if you came across this, but I'm not a writer. Like sitting down and jamming out articles and hundreds and 600 words and stuff's like, nah, that ain't for me. I would much rather just talk about stuff. That's so much easier. But you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I'd heard someone say before, like people who watch videos 
are probably best inclined to make videos or people who read blogs are maybe best inclined to read blogs. And that's just what fit for me. And it sounds like it was for you too. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I feel like I'm a pretty good writer, but I, I think making videos is more fun for me just because it's a, it's more challenging, I think creatively. Um, and I think, I don't know, there's just something about making videos compared to writing blog posts for me that makes it more interesting. But mm. admittedly, I shouldn't be pushing the written stuff in the dark, which is what I've been doing for the past few years. So, I mean, I, I can only focus on so many things, and I decided a couple of years ago to focus on the YouTube stuff and, and grow the video content. So, You know, I, so there's actually a lot of wisdom in what you just said there. I don't even know if you, you picked up on that, but like, there's this great book called The One Thing, Mm -hmm. And um, I read that book and and basically he says, hey, focus on one thing at a time. Multitasking is not real. You can actually only devote one attention at a time. And I use that with my kids constantly because they're like, dad, do this, dad, do this. And I look at them straight in the eyes and I'm like, how many things can I do at a time? The answer is one. And you know this. Right. Let me finish this and then we'll move on to the next thing. Right. So while I think that, you know, having the, the written material is is good. I mean, focusing on where you're getting your growth, where you're getting your your subscriber base and all that. I mean, that you got to double down on your strengths right now, right? Exactly. Once, once that slows down, maybe maybe you go back to the written. And that's why I decided to make the switch because my website traffic was growing, but compared to YouTube, it was it was not nearly the growth curve. Like YouTube was an exponential growth curve. Um, the first six months, twelve months. I was always when I would look back at like the previous month, my my next month on YouTube, the numbers in terms of the percentages of growth were always double digit. And so when you look at the actual growth curve, like over the lifetime of the channel, it's just it's like a it's a hockey stick curve It starts yeah. out really slow and then it just surges at the end of that period. And that's been consistent essentially for the past four years since I started it. So. Yeah. So that, that's that, why I decided to go all in on YouTube is because as I said, I'm a one man show. So I have to focus my efforts where I'm gonna get the most return. And I saw that as YouTube. So I decided are you, to uh, I was just gonna ask, are you, since you're a one man show, are you doing all your editing and all that stuff? Or is it Yeah, I do. Are you really? We gotta talk afterward. I got something for you. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot yeah, of work. It is a lot. It's all right. So I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll mention it now. I uh I, in March, hired my first employee. I have two now. And uh, it was so scary because the coronavirus was just starting. And I'm like, I am so tired of editing all these podcasts, right? And it's like, I need some help. And I found this this lady and she just does incredible work. And I'm going to tell you, man, worth every penny. You can sleep longer. You, you, you'll you keep exactly. more hair on your head. Trust me, you and I are both worried about that these days. I'm already... <laughs> I'm already over the I'm over the hump, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh I mean just having somebody to to help with with just taking that off your plate is gonna make your life so much better. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk later on that. But anyway, um th that's awesome that you're able to do all this on your own. And I know firsthand <laughs> the amount of work that goes into that. So you mentioned earlier about, you know, running trading services and stuff. And I've tried to do that twice before. And I have found that that just doesn't work for me. Like I'm running 10 In addition to my podcast and other things that I'm doing. 
And I just don't have time to sit and basically entertain people with my trading on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so I have decided to shelve that. And in, in the similar vein, provide a course mm-hmm. that basically just brain dumps everything that I do when I'm trading and hand that off to people. And it's like, hey, look, if you want to trade like this, I'm, I'm not going to be able to sit there and hold your hand every day. But this is what I do. Just take this and, and go with it. You're going to be all right. So so how about you? Do you run uh, any kind of trading service or anything like that? So I started much like you. I actually tried twice to do a oh. trade alert subscription service. So I, I tried it very early on. So I think that must have been 2017, 2018. I, I went through two bouts of trying out the monthly subscription service. And I just found that it, it really locked me down. So one of the reasons that I left the not the nine to five job and started Project Option is because I wanted to get to a point where I had a very flexible lifestyle and basically unlimited freedom. And what I found with the trade alerts is that if you have people paying you to put on these trades and manage these trades, like you have to be there and you have to be there watching the positions. You have to be at home so that if you have to exit a trade or enter a trade that you can immediately send out the necessary emails that the people are paying for. And so it was very, it was very limiting for me. And I didn't like that. It kind of, it imprisoned me literally Mm -hmm. because I, I couldn't just go off and forget about the markets for a day. I'd have to literally pay attention to it all day long and make sure I'm on top of it. And that was, that's probably the biggest aspect of it that I did not like and realized very quickly that it wasn't going to work out for me. But also another thing is I don't trade super frequently. And I think I had a lot of people that signed up and they were upset that I wasn't posting a trade every single day. And, you know, people would be like, Hey, over the past two weeks, you've made one trade. Like, what am I paying for? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, you're paying for hopefully to, to profit, not necessarily on how many trades I can push out to you every single day. So I think it was just a, a mismatch between what people are expecting from a trade alert service and what I wanted from Project Option as as a lifestyle business, essentially. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, yeah, what you're describing is exactly what I went through. And, you know, there's there's lots of people who make great money doing it, but like oh, yeah. you're talking about there, it's uh, it, it, it comes down to lifestyle, like you're talking right. about. I, I don't have time to sit here and... and you know, trade all day. I really have other things that I'm trying to get done. <laughs> right. There's a, so, there's a lot of money in it too. So definitely leaving yeah. a lot of money on the table. But for me, it's the money isn't as important as having the flexibility that I desire. So that's yeah. it. Well said. So, so tell me about project option, right? I mean, well, let me back up real quick. I was telling Chris beforehand and, and I emailed him this the other day that his video about losing $30,000 on a $1 wide credit spread was one of the most profound trading videos I've ever seen. I don't know how the algorithm decided to put that one video in front of me. In fact, I'm not subscribed. Hey, let me subscribe. There we go. You just got another Thank sub. you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how it got in front of me, but I was like, this was brilliant. First off, the fact that it happened really, really sucks for this guy. But... Good job on you for making such a clear and concise video about what happened. Thank so, you. So, 
let's not give it away. Let's encourage people to go to the Project Option YouTube channel and look up the video for themselves and subscribe while you're there, people. I mean, really, this guy makes great content. Thank you. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, that video is one of the more recent ones, too. So it's it's right on the top if you go to recent videos. And it's if you can't find it, it's... Uh, well, you should be able to find it. Just look for the thumbnail with a, with a flaming $30,000 on it, and you'll right. find it. And, you know, I can tell that you put so much effort into this. There's, um, I just sorted your channel by most popular. Your most popular one is Options Trading for Beginners, the ultimate guide. Only four months ago, 2.6 million views. That's outstanding. Yeah, that, that, was the, that was the biggest video project of my whole life, for sure. It's three hours long. Yeah, three hours in 4K, <laughs> which is like anybody who knows anything about editing videos, three hours in 4K is is unnecessary. Like, there's no <laughs> reason that video had to be in 4K, but I wanted it to be in 4K. Um, but yeah, that video is a huge project. It probably took me a hundred hours to produce it. Wow. Um, but it paid off. That was that was one of the videos where I really wanted to do very very well, and I spent a couple weeks kind of refining the outline from the previous iteration of it that I did. But the first time I did it, it really it didn't turn out. And I had to redo it and make it more clear and concise, add a lot more examples. And fortunately, everyone, everybody is getting a lot of value from that. So if you're brand new to options, I'd recommend watching that video because 99% of the comments, and there are thousands of comments, are from people who said that the video was very, very helpful. So... If you're a beginner and you want to spend a couple hours getting through basically most of the most important options trading concepts as a beginner, then I think that video will help you out. Yeah, without a doubt, man. I I got to tell you, uh, looking at your views, I, I'm jelly, man. I mean, some of these are, <laughs> I mean, you're, you have two that are over a million and, uh, you know, a lot of them are in the hundreds of thousands. That's, that's really awesome. You've done an incredible job. Um, paying somebody at YouTube to uh, get you <laughs> get your videos out. <laughs> yeah, I have an insider. There you Secrets go. Out. Secrets so out. So how often how often are you making videos? Uh, it's really sporadic because, as I said, I'm a one-man show. And so when real-life stuff comes up, such as family vacations, I'm not making videos and I'm on family vacations. So that'll kind of throw a wrench in my rhythm. That's something. That's like one of my biggest problems right now is consistency. Um, I'm really trying to put out one video a week, but I just, I'm struggling to hit that mark, but yeah. it also depends on what types of videos I'm making, because if it's one of those longer in-depth tutorials, then those take a lot longer to produce. And so I can't necessarily do one of those every single week because I'd probably just burn out. But mm -hmm. I did a video yesterday where it was 12 minutes long, but mostly just me talking to the camera and kind of just explaining things, which is that that was a more raw and uncut format because usually I try to include lots of visual elements and I'm fading in slides, using text, um, drawing illustrations and stuff like that. And I do all that in Adobe After Effects. And so that's the biggest time consumption of my video production process. And so yesterday I uploaded a video where I didn't do any of that just to kind of see how would people, you know, engage with this video if I didn't necessarily do all the post-production elements and turned out to, you know, people are watching it for a good amount of time. So hopefully I, if I, if I did a video like that where I wasn't doing all the post-production stuff, then I could definitely do multiple videos a week. 
but yeah, it depends on you know what's going on in my actual life. So the yeah. the target is one video a week, but I don't always hit that. Dude, it's it's tough. I get it. So I mean, just to break like podcast mode here and just talk person to person here, the way that I do it is every other Friday, um, I book as many guests as I can. And so like today, you're my fourth of four. And so what I do is I just call them up, have a conversation. And uh, then my my editor just basically downloads it out of Skype, puts the very minimal uh, editing that we put into these and uh, then ships it off. And and we've got like a calendar, you know, going out. Um, and maybe that might help you as well as uh, having some sort of content calendar. Yeah. I saw somebody break it down one time. It's like, you know, think of 12 topics, whatever they could be. Right. And then break them down into four subtopics. And then that's a whole year's worth of content for you, right? And you, you'll know X, Y, and Z and how each one leads to another, which actually may be really beneficial to the audience, right? So you can say on the next video, we'll talk about this and whatever. Yeah. But that's helped me a lot, being able to, to structure things because we we produce three episodes a week. Um, and I mean, it's uh, I, I, there's no way I could do that anymore on my own. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, but I made the conscious decision, like I guess whenever I started the podcast, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I am go I'm going to do this. And so it's like I need a content schedule, I need to have guests, I need to have uh, a plan on when it's going to be uploaded and and so yeah, haven't haven't turned back since. We're we're close to 400 episodes at this point. So it's uh it's awesome. It's a labor, but you know what? Whenever you have the passion like you do, it just comes across uh easier, right? I mean, could yeah, you yeah. imagine? Could you imagine sitting at a desk cranking out something on a keyboard all day when you could be at home just editing your YouTube video and just like the difference in mindset, right? You might get up at three, four or five o'clock in the morning to jump out of bed and be like, Oh, I want to do this thing. Right. But if someone called yeah. you, if your boss called you and they're like, Hey Chris, I need you to get down here and flip some burgers. And you're like, Oh God, no. You know what I mean? Like the, it's such a mindset shift when, when it's your own. Yeah, exactly. When you're, when you're working for yourself, uh, it's, it's a lot easier to, work hard because you know that you're getting all the all the rewards from it so i mean that's that's what i've found yeah so so let's shift gears and let's talk about your trading strategies right now obviously with options there's a myriad i mean you could literally just come up with you could throw a dart on the board and have 500 different options combinations of calls and puts yeah. and selling and buying and mm -hmm. coming up with different things what's what's your go-to so it's evolved over the years, uh, but right now, right now I'm actually like right now being as in this moment, I don't have a ton of option positions on just because, you know, we're pre-election end of the year. Um, I just got back from vacation, so I didn't really put on a bunch of stuff before that, but I have some longer term option plays. So the way that I'm kind of approaching options trading these days is as a complement to the overall investment portfolio. So not necessarily looking at options as like, all right, I'm going to take 100% of the money I save, put it into this trading account and trade all of it. It's more so I'm taking a majority of it and passively investing it. And then here and there with a smaller percentage of it, I will allocate it to more leveraged positions. Um, and that just depends on whatever I want exposure to. So recently I have put on some long-term call option trades, so call purchases in Tesla, 
Apple and NVIDIA, to name a few. Um, so those are my largest option positions. So those are all like two year plus call option purchases. Mm -hmm. But I have stock shares of stock in both of those positions as well. But the option overlays are essentially using whatever portion of money that is allocated to the option position, but it's getting a ton of leverage. So instead of spending $10,000 on shares of Tesla stock, I might take the 10000 and put it into a long-term call option that if Tesla goes up 50 100% over the next couple of years, then that 10000 could appreciate triple-digit percentages. So Right. So yeah, I, I've heard I don't, people I don't, call I'm that not like the, all uh, or nothing. I was just going to say, I've heard people call that the stock replacement strategy. It's where you buy a deep-in-the-money call, right. and the the objective here is to, you know, Basically buy shares, but maybe at one third or so of the actual cost of buying the shares. Right. Yeah. But my, my calls are out of the money. So Oh, you're out of the money. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm going for the, yeah, the super leveraged long shots. But as I said, that's why it's not the whole portfolio. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the same thing, if you buy an in the money call option, then your delta, which is essentially how how much the options price is expected to change with a $1 movement in the stock price, that will be higher if you buy an in-the-money call option. So if Tesla's at whatever it's at right now, if you buy a call option, let's say with a strike price of 300 which is well below where Tesla's at right now, then the call option, maybe the delta is 7.75, which means essentially that call option will increase by 75 cents, which in actual dollar terms is $75 per $1 increase in Tesla. So it's like owning 75 shares. Mm -hmm. But to put on that call position, you won't necessarily need the same amount of money as you would need to buy 75 shares of Tesla. Right. So that's that's what people are talking about when they say the, the stock replacement. Yeah, that, that's what I figured you were talking about. Saying you're going yeah, uh, two I'm years doing out. The, I'm doing the strategy. It's just out of the money. So if you buy out of the money options, they're cheaper. And if the stock price moves towards the call strike price, so let's say in, in Tesla, I have a 600 call, and Tesla's at 420, wherever it is. If Tesla goes from 420 to 500, then that 600 call is going to explode in value if mm -hmm. that movement happens in a very short period of time. Which mm -hmm. it definitely could. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm for these types of trades. I'm not always buying out of the money, but in this particular instance, I am buying out of the money call options. But they're not short term; they have over two years to go. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of people actually get into trouble. Is when you're trading options, the shorter term you go, the cheaper the options are, but the higher the return potential could be. So like if you if you see anybody on a specific Reddit thread and you see that they turned $10,000 into a million dollars in a few days, then they were buying extremely short-term out-of-the-money options. Yeah. And so they could buy thousands of these contracts for a few thousand dollars. But then if the stock price makes a big movement towards those calls, or towards those options, and then they actually become intrinsically valuable, their values could appreciate 100x and so that's how people turn thousands into millions trading options in a short period of time but, but yeah the huge the but here's the huge but let's listen to but that the real probability quick. of losing <laughs> everything you put into that trade is basically 99 percent 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, to tell you the truth, that's exactly how I blew up my account the first time. I blew up my account twice. The first time was buying out-of-the-money options. The second time was not controlling my risk. And, uh, I I mean, great, thankfully, that those lessons happened when they did. You know, I I wouldn't want that to happen now. Right. but that's exactly it. I was like, I'm going to buy a shitload of options. Everything's stocks always go up. I'm not worried about it. And right. they didn't, Chris. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I think it's a rite of passage is getting burned on the short term options. I do it sometimes, but it's very, very small. So, like, it'll be less than 1% of the account at risk if I'm going to do a very short term option purchase, which I have videos where I did that recently. In the past few months, like during the coronavirus crash initially, there were a couple times where I did very short-term option purchases that worked out. But those are definitely more of gambling-type plays, and I I don't like to allocate too much to those. So that's why, yeah, I'll buy out-of-the-money options, but I'm going to give myself hundreds of days for a move to happen. Yeah. And that way, if you're wrong and you realize, okay, Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm not this bullish anymore on this stock, and I've lost, you know, twenty, thirty percent of what I put into that option. At least you have some salvage value where, where you can close it if you change your mind, and that's completely contrary to what's going to happen if you're if you're buying short-term options. You'll basically lose everything if the stock moves against you even a little bit. So you really have no margin for error with short-term options, which is why I prefer to buy longer-term options if I'm going to buy options. Now listen, I don't know if uh, if you guys are going to be talking about this over Thanksgiving dinner, but I'm pretty sure your brother, old Mike Butler over at Tasty Trade, would not approve of you buying these out-of-the-money options, sir. Like that oh, I goes think he contrary would. to them. Oh, oh, really? Okay, all right, go for it. Tell me, tell me, uh, tell me why. Because when you're telling me out of the money options, I mean, I I've watched a lot of Tasty Trade, and uh, I know that they, uh, you know, that that's like sacrilegious to them. How could you do this? So, okay, right. go ahead. <laughs> well, my take on that, it's like everyone has their own opinion and their own trading philosophy. That's fine, but for me, you know, I I started at Tasty Trade too, so I started mm-hmm. with the sell only mentality, mm-hmm. but then. I realized, like, why am I shutting out this one area of options trading? Like, why am I only, why am I, why do I only want to sell this and why do I not want to buy it? Because options work, right? Mm-hmm. If you buy an option and the stock price moves favorably and you, you didn't lose too much to implied volatility decreasing or the passage of time, then you're going to make money on that option purchase. And here's the thing. So people say selling options is better than buying options because you collect theta. So theta is essentially how much the option price is expected to decrease with each passing day. And when you sell options, the goal is to see the option price decrease. So it's a sell high, buy low at a later date strategy, whereas buying options is buy low, sell high at a later date. So you're just doing the same thing, but in reverse. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. When you sell options, you get paid in theta. So basically, you make money when the option price decreases as time passes. But the risk you take for that benefit is having way more risk or loss potential than you can make on that trade. And when you buy options, it's the opposite. You are losing money slowly over time if the stock price doesn't move favorably because that option price is going to slowly lose value 
and that means your position is going to slowly lose money. But the benefit you get for paying for that, meaning the benefit that you get for taking the risk of seeing your option position decay slowly, is that you have significant profit potential and you have limited loss potential. Mm -hmm. So if I'm buying an option, let's go back to the Tesla example because that's everyone's favorite stock. Although recently the volatility is like zero, which is funny. Um, if I buy an out of the money call in Tesla and I put 5% of the account in it and I have 200 days to go, then worst case scenario, I lose the 5% over whatever the next two, 300 days. But I can make way more than what I put into that option. So maybe I can make 10, 15, 20% of my overall account from that 5% risk. Whereas if I'm selling options, I might have to put up, you know, 10% of my account in margin mm -hmm. requirement and the maximum profit with, which means if everything goes right and the options go out worthless, maybe I can make a couple percentage points. I'm just throwing out numbers here. I don't know sure. what the position we're talking, talking about is, but you can only make a few percentage points, but in the worst case scenario, let's say you get a huge gap movement in the stock and it goes against your option position that you were betting against and you could potentially lose, you know, 10, 15, 20% of your account if you are over leveraged and you're essentially putting on a super risky position and you don't understand necessarily what can go wrong. So to make a long story short, I think it is wrong to just say, you should never buy options because they lose value over time. And I think it's also wrong to say you should only sell options because they can profit over time as long as the stock price doesn't move against you. I think you should keep an open mind and use, you can, you can bias towards one or the other, whatever you personally believe in, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a good decision to just completely block something out just because of one small factor. You know what? I couldn't agree with you more, and I am so glad that somebody from Tasty Trade, at least in the past, somebody <laughs> from the 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 world of Tasty Trade, can see the light. Because I totally yeah. agree with you. Oh my gosh, yeah. There was a time where, like, when I was losing a lot of money, um, I really was like, I need to take a step back and figure out what I'm doing wrong, and. Like that was kind of the, one of the realizations I had was, you know what, this strategy isn't working for me. Not at right. all. But now I did want to tell you about, so, so I created, I say created cause I can't find anywhere on the, on anything where anybody else is talking about it, a strategy mm -hmm. that I called the better call and you may be interested in it, right? So it's, you sell a, uh, an at the money put spread. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you finance that and buy a call for free. So then you're taking in theta mm -hmm. in the meantime, and you've still got your out of the money call that's working for you. So, so you're putting on, you're financing the call with the put spread. Yes, so you're, exactly. You're buying the call and then you're basically selling the put spread, making it so that you don't have any net entry cost. Precisely, yeah, and, and in theory, maybe even taking a small credit. So even right. if you're holding Tesla and it doesn't go the direction that you want, in the next two years, right? You might not actually be out any money if you did hold it the entire time, which I doubt anyway. So right. yeah, that that's a strategy. Now I stopped using that after the explosion in the VIX um, because that worked really well when you didn't have to buy something that was, you know, 
a thousand points away <laughs> out of the money for it to, to make sense. Right. Um, but yeah, like right now with the VIX being in the 20 handles, like it, it's just not a viable strategy. Um, so, so yeah, there, there, there's just something for you audience viewers <laughs> out there. Try out the, uh, the better call spread. Uh, like I said, it's, it's not something I'm using right now, but I've certainly done really well with it in the past. And yeah, I mean, that, that was one of the things I was like, you know what? Yeah. Calls that's work. A, yeah. That's a, that's an option as well. You can, the cool thing about options is you can structure it however you want to. Yeah. With that particular strategy, what you're essentially doing is you're, you're restructuring your trade so that you have your loss potential is essentially shifted lower, but mm. you have more loss potential. Oh, for compared sure. compared yeah. to just buying the call option. So if you mm -hmm. buy the call option, then you lose money as long as the stock price is below the call strike, assuming we're talking about at expiration. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you buy the call and sell the put spread, now you have this big wide range where you don't lose any money, but you're going to lose more money if the stock price falls compared yeah. to just buying the call. So what you're doing is you're financing the call, mm -hmm. but you're actually adding you're doing that by adding more risk to the downside, which is if it's fine if you if you think that a stock price decrease is like out of the question or very very low probability, and you're willing to take that extra risk on the downside to not lose any money if the stock price just kind of stagnates or doesn't increase as much as you think, then mm -hmm. I think it's fine. I think as long as people understand what the trade-offs are i i don't i never have a problem with any trading strategy as long as people understand the risks so. right absolutely and with options man there's there's crazy risks right oh yeah and like you were saying earlier you know taking the uh the the fact that whenever you sell something like a put spread uh maybe like, let's say it's a five dollar wide put spread um you've got potentially let, let's just use round numbers maybe you've taken a dollar in credit and you've got four dollars in risk and I mean, that's that's the second way I blew up my account. Like I was saying earlier, you know, first way was buying, buying YOLO calls and watching those go to zero. The second right. way was not understanding my risk. I, I decided when gold was plummeting a few years ago um, that I picked the bottom and uh, I'm going to be a contrarian trader and gold's going down. So I'm going to go long. And that didn't work at all, like big time. <laughs> so what I did, I just held that thing. I held it until my portfolio was on fire and I'm like, Okay, I should probably do something at this point. I mean, this didn't work out whatsoever. Um, and I mean, even started like off on the wrong foot. Uh, I when I was putting in my order, I accidentally put twice as many as I normally do, and I'm like, that's fine. It'll be twice as much profit. I ain't worried about it. And yeah, just things just went out of control. So yeah, I, I I completely understand respecting risk, especially having gone through that myself. Mm -hmm. You gotta. As Warren Buffett says, rule number one is don't lose money, and then rule number two is refer to rule number one. Yeah, uh, but obviously I tell you. you can't you can't control not losing money. You're always going to have losing trades, but I think what he really means is don't lose all your money. No, no, no. What he means is don't lose money because if you never close the trade, if you hold it for the next sixty <laughs> years like he did, then you never lose money. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, if you're holding, if you're buying stocks, then yeah. That's uh, I mean, he's on to something. Rule number one, don't lose money. If you never take close the loss, you'll never lose the money. So yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> he just twisted it that way. Yeah. So Chris, you know, I really uh, uh, have enjoyed this conversation. I feel like like we've just scratched the surface with you and and I certainly absolutely want to send as many subs as I can over to Project Option on the YouTube channels. Um, you know, Chris Chris makes 
really fantastic content. And like I said, one of his videos just really, really took my breath away with the uh, $30,000 loss on a $1 wide put credit spread. And uh, I, I'm not going to spoil it for you. You've got to go and check out that video. So, Chris, really, I appreciate the time that you've uh, given me today. And I, I appreciate being able to uh, you know, share this with, with the audience. I think, I think what you're doing is incredible. And, you know, I, there was a point in time where I was like, you know, if I'm going to be doing this, am, am I going to be competing with all these people? And I, I, I really made the thought to myself is like, you know what, instead of competing, trying to compete, why don't we collaborate? And so that's how I view all these, these interviews is it's like, I'm not trying to be your competition. I'm trying to be, you know, collaboration for you. Cause if, if I can raise you up and you can raise me up, then we all win. So exactly. it's really great to be able to uh, be able to chat with you today. It's a, Chris. It's a good point to make. I, I see YouTube as much the same. It's like when I look at other channels, it's like, oh, these are my competitors. But then you realize like people aren't just going to only watch one person. Like when if you think about how you watch YouTube, you don't just watch one channel. You right. may watch multiple channels within the same niche because you're interested in whatever videos they're making. So it's I think it's good not to view everything as competition and trying to be super cutthroat because in the online world we are we are technically competitors but at the same time we don't you know we can we can benefit from each other you know dude without a doubt i I mean it's it's so nice to be able to and and honestly i don't even worry about competition and i don't mean that in like an arrogant sense i mean it's like you know what you're going to do your thing and i'm gonna do my thing and comparing to each other is only going to lead to you know less content being made <laughs> yeah it's just not going to be any fun i understand yeah so chris really I, I do appreciate your time today make sure you guys go and check out chris's uh youtube channel project option and really thank you so much for coming on appreciate it it's been fun thanks yeah for having me. absolutely my pleasure okay so what'd you think that was pretty incredible right now if you like that that's only a taste only a sample of what you're going to find in the full ai stock trading system and i really highly encourage you to go and check this out obviously you are interested in learning and how to trade and that's why you're listening to this podcast now i'm going to take and download my entire trading system that i use day in and day out onto you (laughs) and the only way i'm going to be able to do that is over at the aistocktradingsystem.com you're going to get phase one two and three several bonuses and on top of that i'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that i put on inside of my account holding your hand and showing you exactly how i got in how i got out how i use the artificial intelligence data and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis so make sure you head on over to aistocktradingsystem.com that's aistocktradingsystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI stock trading system today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. 
Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through his content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.